You can begin. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Clifford Cardoza, and I will be your moderator for this class. Welcome to another lecture given by the members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis, and the president is Dr. Edward Ewell. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our Creator chose for Himself. Jesus is a name but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, 
took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word of a son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plain as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called a divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold pattern, tabernacle pattern, that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of inequity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace. Our slogan, speak the truth. Our scripture lesson is Matthew the 27th chapter that will be read by the Dean of the Southfield Branch, Dr. Marvin Lewis. Our scripture readers for the day are Dr. Shirley Nelson and Dr. Lauren Lewis.
Can we have class dedicated in prayer by Dr. Dorian Lewis, please? Good evening, class. Good afternoon. Let us borrow our hearts and minds in a moment of prayer unto Yahweh. Heavenly Father Yahweh, we thank you for once again allowing us to come together that we might learn of your great purpose, pattern, and plan as you delivered it in a vision to Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley. We ask Joshua that you would please clear our hearts and clear our minds and make us focus on the things that are said today. And we pray that you will please give us more uh, assurity, allow us to have more faith in you through the things that we learn. All these things we ask for in your name, Yahshua Messiah, let us all say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we have our scripture lesson? Matthew, the 27th chapter. Dr. Lewis. Good afternoon, Mr. Moderator. I will be reading the Holy, I will be reading from the Holy Name Bible containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by A.B. Trainer, the Scripture Research Association, with a post-copyright reprint by Yashua Promotions. I will be reading Matthew, the 27th chapter. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Yashua to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judah, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought with them a potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Zechariah the prophet, saying, So they weighed out as my reward the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them to the potter's field as Yahweh had appointed. And Yahshua stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Yahshua said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witnessed against thee? And he answered him never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Yahshua, which is called the Messiah? For he knew that, in, that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? 
for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Yahshua. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do with them with Yahshua, which is called the Messiah? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he would pre could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Joshua, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Joshua into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to be crucified. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Galgotha, Galgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with opiate. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, in fulfillment of that which was spoken by the prophet. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Yahshua, the king of the Jews. And then there two thieves, and then were two, there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou destroy, thou that destroyest the temple, and buildest it in three days. Save myself. If thou be the son of Yahweh, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in Yahweh, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the son of Yahweh. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Yahshua cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabastani, that is to say, my El, my El. 
wow, hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, this man calleth for Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Yahshua, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in twain from top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks broke. And the grave were opened, and many bodies of the sons were slept, which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion that they that were with him watching Yahshua saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of the Most High. And many women were therefore beholding afar off, which followed Yahshua from Galilee, ministered unto him, among which was Miriam Magdalene, and Miriam the mother of James and Joseph, Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. When the even was come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Yahshua's disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Yahshua. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rocks. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Miriam Magdalene and the other Miriam sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day be passed. Least his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, ye have to watch. You, ye have a watch. Go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure sealing the stone and setting a watch. That was Matthew, the 23rd chapter, 27th chapter. Clifford, unmute yourself. Thank you for the prayer, Dr. Dorian Lewis, and the scripture lesson, Dr. Marvin Lewis. We take this opportunity to thank all our brethren and visitors attending our Southfield session today. We appreciate your attendance. Before I call on our first speaker, I'd like to remind all Zoom participants to keep your microphones muted and cameras turned off until the end of class to avoid interruptions. And now for our first speaker, I'd like to call upon Dr. Sharon Lewis Dr. Lewis? Yes, thank you so much. And good afternoon to everyone. 
It is indeed a pleasure and an honor to be able to have anything to say regarding this great and magnificent teaching that was given to us in the, uh, from our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the year of 1931. And Dr. Kinley informed us at that time that he had a divine vision and a revelation directly from the creator himself, Yahweh. And these things that we share in this school as a result of that divine vision that was given, unadulterated, and in its complete and fullness, not only did he receive a divine vision, but he also received the divine revelation about the things that he had seen. So the world that we come to understand in our Christian affiliation don't know the things that have been revealed by Yahweh. Today, we have a lecture that we are titling the Phenomenal Day. And I pray that Yahweh speak through this vessel to be able to share the things that were hidden about this Phenomenal Day. Now, we know that today is what the world Christianity celebrates as Easter. I'm not going to talk about specifically the day Easter. I want to just deal with, deal with the phenomenal day. But Easter, just shortly, is the holiest day for Christianity. And it's, it's one of the holiest days. I think it is considered as the most holy days. And then I think there's Christmas follows after that. And we come to understand through this teaching that Easter isn't even mentioned in the Bible and not as script. And you wonder where did it come from? This was something that was established by idolatry. And there's a lot of research that you can do on it to find out the real details of this so-called Christian um, event or celebration. Now, what they're talking about is the death, burial, and resurrection or the Passover of Yahshua the Messiah. And the things that we come to know, they are so special. And I'm just appreciative of the things that he has shown and where he has led me from, because I can honestly say that I didn't know the things that have been revealed. I never would have imagined it. And I'm gonna to try to go through this with easeability if I can, you know, and hopefully the next speaker or whoever is after will be able to add to this lecture as well to explain those detailed phenomenal things. Now, what I wanna do is to be obedient and go back to the scriptures. I want to stay in the scriptures specifically to identify about this phenomenal day. I wanna start first of all with Exodus the 12th chapter because we had um, just read as our scripture reading, we had Matthew's the 27th chapter. And we come to know that those things now that are Yahshua the Messiah in the flesh is operating or fulfilling the things that happened in the scriptures. First of all, I want to state what the scriptures are. And I want to be as basic as I can because I want to go over the things that I learned since being in attendance at one of these classes. You see, I didn't know what the scriptures were. 
And we come to find out that the scriptures are the, um, what is considered as the Old Testament, the portion of the Bible that the world knows as the New Testament was not written during the time that the Messiah walked in the flesh. The scriptures that the Messiah referred, referred to when he mentioned scripture is what was listed in what we call the Old Testament. That is the first five books, starting with Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. The remaining 34 books of the Bible from Joshua to Malachi, those comprise of the scriptures, or should I say the law was the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, and Leviticus. The scriptures were considered the next 34 books of the Bible from Joshua to Malachi. So the Old Testament comprises of 39 books of the Bible. So let me have Isaiah 8 and 20 to start off with first. Isaiah 8 and 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, that is because there's no light in them. Okay, so this scripture says to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, there is because there is no light. And we know and understand that light is synonymous with understanding. So there's no understanding. If we just were to refer to the New Testament, for instance, you would not know what the Messiah was doing. He's fulfilling the scriptures, the law and the prophets. He's fulfilling all of those things that was written of him before he manifested in the flesh. So therefore we must go back. We have to be obedient to that because those are the revealing, the revealed things of Yahweh. So when we go back there to the scriptures, I want to have in their Exodus, the 12th chapter, if you would please, and you can start at um, the first verse. As we're gonna go ahead and read. Exodus 12 and one. Mm -hmm. And Yahweh spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb. Okay, stop, please. So it's telling us right then and there the first month of the year. So we just celebrated the first month of the year, according to Yahweh's timetable, which is April 1. April 1, we come to know in the world as April Fool's Day. You see, so what? We just don't know. We think it is January 1, but it's April 1, according to Yahweh's timetable, not just the Gregorian, which the world set up that timetable, but back here in the scripture, Yahweh is telling the children of Israel that this month shall be the beginning of months for you. Go ahead and read. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb. Now he's setting up something. And if you go over to the next chapter, it tells you what that month Abib is, or what that first month is. If you can get that for me quickly, I think it's in the 12th verse. 
Yes, that's Exodus 13, excuse me. <clears throat> Exodus 13 and 4. Okay. This day came ye out in the month of Abib. In the month of Abib. That month Abib corresponds or correlates to our month of April. So Yahshua is setting up a timetable, or Yahweh is setting up this timetable that the first month of the year to them is the month of Abib or April. Okay, so we've established that the first month of the year. Now he's telling them to take out a lamb. Continue to read, please. In the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Okay. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. And just to set up the story again, just briefly, they're in the process of leaving the uh, play-torn land of Egypt. He's bringing them out of that land after 10 devastating plagues that was bestowed upon them. The children of Israel is being delivered as promised. So he's telling them in order to get out of that land, take out a lamb, Okay, go ahead and read. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Mm -hmm. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Now I'm just going to go back and forth to compare this story, which is written back here in Exodus years before the Messiah stepped foot in the flesh. Oh. See, but this story is talking about Yahshua because it's going to lead us to what Yahshua the Messiah is doing when he manifested in that physical body. Mm -hmm. Everything was ordained and purpose. Continue to read. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Okay, this lamb can't have any spots or any blemish. Now, when we look at Yahshua the Messiah, the scriptures talk about that he was found without gal. There was no sin in him. He is without any fault. He is without fault or without blemish. Read. A male of the first year. This lamb has to be a male of the first year. Yahshua is the first fruits of them that slept. He is the first. Go ahead and read. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Take it from the sheep or from the goat, read. And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. Now they had to hold that lamb over until the 14th day of April, the same month. They had to hold it over. In other words, four days. They had to hold that over. We come to understand that Yahshua the Messiah came in at the end of the 4,000th year you see. So he's held over for four days until he makes his appearance in the flesh. Mm -hmm. We understand that zeros have no value. So one day with Yahweh is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. So we look at 4,000 years, we can see the principle of four days. Mm -hmm. So he's telling them to hold the lamb over for four days or till the 14th read. Mm -hmm. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Now, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel, this is prior to them exiting out of the plague-torn land of Egypt. Mm -hmm. That whole assembly had to kill 
that lamb in the evening. Okay, this is this is it's phenomenal what mm -hmm. Yahweh has shown us. It's truly a mystery. So I hope you get something out of this because we can walk away knowing something for surety about the operation of our Creator, how He works, what Yahshua Messiah came in to do. Continue to read. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Okay, when they kill that lamb, they're going to take the blood of that lamb. They're going to put that blood in a basin and they are going to take a thorny um, um, hyssop is what it was called, a branch, and they are going to strike it. Now notice the words also, because we're going to go into the fulfillment of Yahshua, and we're going to see the same thing that's aligned with what was back here under the law. So he's saying he's going to take that blood and strike it on the doorpost. Is that what it says? On the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Now that blood, they're on the inside of their house. That blood has to be struck on the two sides of the door and on the top part of the door, making a configuration of three points of blood. When the Messiah comes in, he is going to be that door, which he says, I am the door. He's going to be that door. They're going to have to hang him on the cross. It's wood from that cross. It's just like that door. A lot of people want to believe he was on a stake or something. See, the scripture says what it says because that's what Yahweh wants to have us to understand. Right. The door is an entry point. He is the entry point to our houses. That blood had to be on the inside of their doors. Like our door, our blood is on the inside of our physical body. We don't want to see blood outside our body, you see. So he's talking about it has to be on the inside, not as the movies depict it being on the outside. And they had to strike it on the two side posts. That is likening to them striking it in the left hand, striking it in him in the right hand. Then they use the word strike. It's like they had to do that because the Messiah was going to be nailed to that cross and they were going to strike that nail in one hand and then in the other. The other part of that is on his feet. Go ahead and read, does it say that? And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts right. and on the upper door posts of the houses. Now the upper door posts of the house, I'm sorry for interrupting. Mm -hmm. The upper door posts of the house is like that top part of the door, which would be like his head. Mm -hmm. What they had to do with Yahshua and the Messiah was that they had to put a thorny crown on his head, making that, and when they did that thorny crown on his head, they thrust on his head, as the scripture says, and there, which caused blood mm. and uh, from the arteries and from the vessels. They had, they didn't just gingerly do it. They struck that on his head because it had to represent that point of blood as well. Then go ahead and read, finish. And they shall eat the flesh in that night. 
roast with fire and unleavened bread okay. and okay. with bitter herbs. Okay, let me just talk about the feet. The feet is where the basin of blood. Remember I told you oh. they had to hold, have that basin of blood and they dipped the thorny hyssop from that to do the striking. So now you see the configuration nailed in his hands and in his feet. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then another thing about that is that the world wants to say that it was in his wrists that they nailed him. And our question very simply is, where are your nails at? But on your hands and on your feet. Mm -hmm. And then also, right. not only that, the Messiah himself says where that blood was nailed at. And I'm trying to remember what scripture um, are you that, talking about where he says after they seen him after resurrection, yes. behold my hands and my yes. feet? He says, behold my hands and my feet. He's telling them when he was crucified and when he resurrected. And that was in Luke 24 and 40. And then he showed him also, uh, I think it's in, get it real quick, just as evidence. I'm moving through because I know there's another script uh, speaker. That's Luke 24 and 4. 40 and Psalms 22 and 16. If you can get that for me quickly. Luke 24 and 40. And when he had thus spoken, he showed him, excuse me. Yep. He showed them his hands and his feet. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Let's start up at 38. This okay. Luke 24 and 38. Mm -hmm. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. Mm -hmm. And when he had sp had thus spoken, he showed them his hands his and his feet. His feet. Now you know your wrist is part of your hand, but specifically to talk about where the nails were. We don't have a question about it because Yahshua was telling us where the nails were. He showed them his hands and his feet. Read for me Psalms 22 and 16. Psalms 22 mm -hmm. and 16. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. To me, it's case closed. Mm -hmm. You see, to me it is. And you can pull it up on the internet. I got all sorts of speculations. Just say hands and feet, because that's what he said. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's representing something. He's doing, he's fulfilling what was written in the scriptures. Continue reading back in um, Exodus. That's Exodus 12 and um, 8. And they shall eat of the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire, with his heads, with, excuse me, roast with fire, his heads, with his legs, and with the inwards thereof. Mm -hmm. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, mm -hmm. and that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. Yahweh is to be consumed through Yahshua the Messiah. We must have him consumed in us. That's why nothing can be remained until the morning. They had to roast him with fire. And we come to understand that is exactly what they did in that physical body. You see, go ahead and read. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. 
and you shall eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Passover. It is Yahweh's Passover. So that was back there in the scriptures. Now let's move forward here to Yahshua the Messiah. I'm just going to talk about his, his, his moments before the crucifixion. That's what I want to talk about. Now he, when he, when he did that, let's go over and let's start at um, Matthew's, the, we were in the 27th chapter, I think it was. Well, uh, yeah, you can start on 27, but what Yahshua did is that he came into his ministry. Three and a half years, he was in the ministry. He came on the scene at age 30, and he did all forms of miracles in three and a half years, healing people, raising men from the dead, so on and so forth, expressing, telling them their unexpressed thoughts, all of that. That's what Yahshua the Messiah did. He was Yahweh manifested in the body that just came down from pure spirit and manifested in a fleshly body. It was made looking like it's a sin, but it was no sin found in that body whatsoever. So he, on this particular night, we talked about he went through the Passover. I think that's in the 26th chapter. He met with his disciples. He ate the Passover with them. You can get that for me. Matthew's the 26th, I think it is. And when he's taking bread with them. Now, remember, I might mention too, that Passover was a feast. It was roasted lamb, right. unleavened bread, bitter herbs, you see. He informed them at that time that a person, one of them was going to betray him, mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't like the movie depicted like they're looking around and don't know. He told Judas that he said it. Judas says, Master, is it I that's going to betray you? And he said, you have said it. So Judas was set up to do exactly what he did. Yahshua Messiah knew what was going to happen to him. So here he was, he's sitting there with them. He's breaking bread with them. He says, as they were eating the bread, go ahead and read it from there. I know I'm skipping around, but I just want to get to a point quickly. Okay. That is Matthews 26 um, and 26, if you want to start right with okay. three. And as they were eating, Yahshua took the bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Mm -hmm. Now and he says, he, he's sitting with them. He broke the bread. He gave it to them. And then he says, take, eat. So you would think they took it and they ate it, right? He said, this is my body. Now, if he gave it to them, he would say, that is my body, like the world says, but he didn't. He said, this is my body, mm -hmm. pointing to himself, because he was telling them, you must consume all of me, mm. and that all of me will be consumed. That's and that's right. exactly what happened. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. And he took the cup and gave thanks and mm -hmm. gave it to them, saying, drink you all of it for this is my blood of the New Testament. Now that drinking, the bread represented his body, the drink representing his blood. So he says, drink all of this. This is my blood of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they had to do it. Not that is my blood, but this is my blood. So he's pointing to himself. And the world really don't understand that. They think that they have to do that in commemoration of him over and over again. So they're taking the wafers in the, in the churches and they're saying this eating the body of Yahshua. And I told you, I remember when um, a 
I was listening to a talk radio. I think I mentioned this one some years back, listening to a talk radio show. And one of the participants, callers called in and said, what happens if you hold the host or that wafer in your mouth until you get back to the seat? If you're taking communion, what would happen? And the priest who was holding it says that it becomes non-effect because you have to swallow it immediately in order for it to be assimilated in you, so to speak. And they were wondering whether or not it was any benefit if they held it in their mouth. And it's, it sounds like a joke, right? You know, something foolishness like that. Yahshua wasn't talking about physical wafers or mm -hmm. physical body. This is all symbolical of him representing that his body we must be, have in us, his blood, we must have in us. Okay. So therefore, um, do you have any more of that to read? No, I think that's it. That's mm -hmm. it for that. Right. So now Yashua Messiah, after he did that, then he goes to the garden. He prays. He tells his disciples to wait there. Judas, you know, comes to the garden to him, betrays him with the kiss for 30 pieces of silver, just like Yahshua Messiah told that somebody was going to, one of you are going to betray me, betray me. And Judah says, is it I? He says, you have said it, you've spoken. So that is exactly what happened. At this point, the soldiers come to get Yahshua Messiah. So when they come to get Yahshua Messiah, they take him to Pilate, they interrogate him. Pilate asks, why do you want this person killed? He didn't find any fault, he told the Jews, in him. So once again, that goes back to our Exodus, the 12th chapter, when that lamb has to be without spot and blemish. That's right. There was no fault in the Messiah. It has to be voiced. It has to be worded because he's fulfilling the scripture. Pilate then says, I'm washing my hands of him because as the scripture reading was, was done, there was two prisoners on the side of Yahshua Messiah, mm -hmm. you see, and uh, when they crucified him. But it was a custom at that time of year that they would release one of them. Mm -hmm. So Pilate was asking the Jews, what did the Messiah do? You can have someone be released. But the Jews had to say, crucify him. Mm -hmm. No different than with the children of Israel in Egypt, the whole assembly had to kill him. Right. So you can just imagine that at that time when Moses is telling the children of Israel what had to be done to get out of Egypt, he was telling them and it went through the assembly, crucify him, crucify him. That's right. You see? So the same things are being happening. So at that time, when Pilate says, I find no fault in him, then he turned them over to the Jews. And prior to that, the scripture talks about the Pilate scourge Yahshua. Now, scourging is massive whooping. See, it's not just light beating. And the scriptures, I just found this out when I was looking through it last night, that they said that approximately the Messiah was uh, whipped, or those lashes were whipped 
39 times and the scripture says minus one. Now, Paul talks about the lashings that he had to experience. I myself didn't know that that was back under the law. In fact, you really don't have to get it, but it's in Deuteronomy 25 and three. And it talks about 39 lashes. So the Messiah, them going according to the dictates of the law, then the Messiah probably had 39 lashes. Mm -hmm. Now these lashes was with an instrument that's called the flagrum, if I'm pronouncing it right, F-L-A-G-R-U-M. This was a whip-like instrument it's basically, they mentioned it being something like a cattle nine tails. It has weighted balls on it or lead balls with pieces of bone. The point of this type of instrument was designed to lacerate down to the veins and the arteries. So the picture that we're looking at now, looking very clean and it's got a little blood spots was not the case. Yahshua the Messiah was beaten for our transgressions. Mm. He suffered an unspeakable death. He was discarded as an outcast dog. Mm. He was a bloody mess. Mm. Now he told them himself that this is what would happen to him. Mm. Yet Matthew's the 20th chapter, the 18th verse. Now this is what the Messiah came in prior to this happening. He told his disciples, this will happen. Go ahead and read. That's Matthews 20 and 18. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the son of man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests. He says, now, I'm gonna to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed by the chief priests, read. And unto the scribes. And, they and shall, unto the scribes, I'm sorry, read. And they shall condemn him to death mm -hmm. and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock. Mm -hmm. and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. So he told them before this happened, mm -hmm. he knew he was going to experience and go through this unspeakable pain. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at, this was a custom that the Romans had years ago, this crucifixion. It was supposed to be one of the worst forms of um, um, uh, 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 punishment. And so it goes in details what happened to that body. We understand it wasn't about Yahshua's body. We understand that. We understand he was the Holy Spirit manifested in there. He knew he was going to lay down that body. And he knew he was going to be resurrected again. That's what he talked about. He says, but the thing is, it's about all those scourgings, all that beating down to the gristle and down to the bone, 39 stripes that he endured. Get for me Isaiah 53 and 5. The scripture tells why mm. that had to be done. Mm. So it wasn't just a story that someone's talking about. Yahshua and Messiah had a purpose or Yahweh had a purpose through his son Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Nobody else could be that type of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. His sacrificing was to, for that we might live, it was to give us life and life evermore. Nobody else could do that. The animal, the lamb down there that they had to kill, the lambs and the bullocks that they had to sacrifice on the altar in the wilderness of Sinai were just the type 
of the Messiah coming in because those animals was the only way that those children of Israel would not be killed themselves because the, if you broke the law, the law says you had to die. So instead of the physical person dying, then they used a animal sacrifice to die or to be offered up in their stead. That's a type, that's a shadow. That's an allegory, a simile of Yahshua Messiah, who is the reality That's to right. come in. He's the true lamb sacrifice, you see? So oh. over there in Isaiah 55, what does it say? Isaiah 55 and I'm four. sorry, 53 and five. I'm sorry, Isaiah 53 and, uh -huh. and four, I'll start at four. Uh -huh. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of Yahweh and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was wounded for our transgression. That's right. Yahshua didn't have to do this, but he did it. That's why every time I read it, it brings tears to my eyes. It's not about the physical body. I understand that. But he suffered that willingly. So he died willingly. Go ahead and read. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's right. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Yes. And with his stripes, we are healed. With his stripes, we are healed. That's right. You see that? He yeah. had to undergo that for us. That's what Yahshua did. That's why we are so grateful. We're grateful to Yahshua. He did it. And he did it all. And after that, they put him, after they beat him, they put him on that scarlet robe you know, mocking him, as it says, and back there with the, um, with that lamb, you know, they roasted him. They, like I told you, they planted that crown of thorns on his head. That was a woven, like a wreath, cactus-like thorns with spikes and sharp edges. And they thrust that down on his head. They mocked him. They spit on him. They roasted him. You so great, come off of that cross. Yes. Cross. You saved others, save yourself. Yahshua yes. didn't come in to save himself. He yes. came in to save us. Yes. So he was willingly going to that cross. So they mocked him and taunted him and called him names and spit on him, you see. And they crucified him. Nails in his hand and his feet. That's where we have our nails at, as, as I told you. He comes in after his resurrection. He shows them, look at my hands, my feet. You see, that's what they did. And so now they hang him on the cross. This is the point of this phenomenal day. This is the point that the world has no knowledge of. Let me have that chart. He's out on the, let me have that chart of the phenomenal day, please. And I'll be wrapping this up. Just to show you, I want the one that's plain before all the wording, right, the phenomenal day, that one there. Now the Messiah comes out, they come and they get him after all this that we talked about transpired, all the whooping, the mopping, the, the mocking and everything. Then they come, they crucified him, hung him on the cross. This, that, that day was Friday. You know, the world, they have so many questions. Well, did it really happen on Friday? Because mm -hmm. this phenomenal day that we're talking about, people, is three days and three nights, as the scripture says, that the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days. Well, if you logically count from Friday to Sunday, that's not three days, you see? 
Friday to Saturday is one day, Saturday to Sunday is two days, where's three days? The world can't figure it out. Now the phenomenal day is something that's not easily explained. You have to have it revealed to you. You see what I'm saying? But Yahweh's using this and he revealed it as it says in Colossians to his son, the mystery. This is part of this vision that we've been partaking. It's a mystery revealed only to his son. So we have Friday, they come get him from the garden. They do all this interrogation, everything I explained, then they crucify him. It's 9 a.m. when they put him on the cross. One vital scripture, back in the law again, get me Genesis one and five quickly. My time is almost up. So let me move through this. Genesis one and five. That's Genesis one and five. And Yahweh called the light day and the darkness he called night. Okay. We had the first scripture I think I read was Isaiah 8 and 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light, and I'll add in, or understanding in them. Mm -hmm. So they don't understand that. But this is the secret, if you will. Yahweh called the light day, mm -hmm. and the darkness he called night. This is mm -hmm. Yahweh's timetable. So Friday from 9 a.m. he's placed on the cross to 12 p.m. That's considered the light. It was light. He's on the cross. The scripture talks about or the Dr. Kinley explained that that light being synonymous with what's happening to Yahshua on the cross. Remember, mm -hmm. he comes in and say, I am the light of the world. Mm -hmm. So then he has to have manifested in him what's happening to the elements. Mm -hmm. So as the light from nine to 12, he's hanging on the cross. It was growing gradual dimness like, if you will, just like the light in his body was draining out the elements had to reflect that. So it was getting gradually darker from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. That's you wanna read that verse? Go Thank ahead you. and read it, please. That's Matthews 27 and Thank 45. Mm -hmm. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until okay. the ninth hour. I'm, I'm, thank you so much for reminding me. The sixth hour, now, I didn't know this. From the sixth to the ninth hour. So the Jewish day starts at 6 a.m. So you're saying from the sixth to seven, if you will, that's the first hour. From seven to eight is the second hour. From eight to nine is the third hour, 9 a.m. So the scripture is saying what again now? From the sixth to the ninth hour, right? Read. Yes, from the sixth hour. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Until the ninth hour. Okay, so you start, that start, I was a little ahead of that. So at 9 a.m., that's actually the third hour. Then when you count three more, it's going to be the sixth hour, which is going to be 12 p.m. So from 9 a.m. into 12 p.m., or from the third hour into the sixth hour, it was gradually getting dark was light at nine, gradually getting dark into 12 p.m. From 12 p.m. to 3 p.m., it is, you say, from the sixth to the ninth hour. Go ahead and read. 
Mm -hmm. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Okay. So until the ninth hour. So then you have from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. is light. Yahweh called the light day. That's the first day. From 12 p.m. until 3 p.m., yeah, it was dark. Yahweh called the darkness or the night, the darkness night. So now you have that's still within that Friday. At 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., it's light again. So that's the second day. And then from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., that's dark. That was the second night. So when you look at the chart here, you see Friday, first day, Friday, first night, Friday, second day, Friday, second night. The phenomenal day is Friday. There are two days and two nights in that one single day of Friday. Mm -hmm. You see, that's the mystery people because Yahweh set up what light is and what day is. He had the elements going according to the scriptures is writing about what happened with the elements. Go ahead and read it and I'll try not to interrupt you. Read it again. That's Matthews 27 and 45. Okay. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Mm -hmm. And about the ninth hour, Yahshua cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. That is to say, my L, my L, why, why hast thou forsaken me? So at 3 p.m. from 6, from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. it was darkness. Do you see that? The ninth hour, 3 p.m., he gives up the ghost. Mm -hmm. So Friday is two days and two nights. After he, and then not only that, the elements reacted, the earth, the rocks, the mountains, the earthquake, the right. whole thing was going on. They would even say scientists believe that there was a mini earthquake at that time. But we know that the elements were reflective of what was happening to the true God or Elohim, Yahweh, happening to him, you see. See, that's what was going on. And so from the 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. is dark. He gives up the ghost or the spirit at 3 p.m., and then from 3 p.m., if you're looking at this chart, to 6 p.m., it becomes, again, look at Friday, from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. is the second day. 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. is the second night. That's the phenomenal day, Friday. Okay? Mm -hmm. Saturday is the next day, and he resurrects. I'm sorry, he don't resurrect. Saturday, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., is light and dark. Saturday from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. is dark. So he has the first night is Friday, one day, one night, Friday, second day, there's a light and a night. Then Saturday, third day is a light and a, a light and a dark and a night, you see. So now on Sunday, early in the morning, that's when he resurrects, you see, before dawn or while it was yet dark. And I think that's in John 20 and 1. I think that's where that's at, where it talks about when Miriam goes to the um, 
gravesite. And she's and it says, I believe, while it was yet dark. Yes. So it was early in the morning. Early in the morning, mm -hmm. the Messiah resurrected. In other words, it was actually like the 300th part of the day. You see, so it was early. In other words, dawn is that period of time between where the sunrise, the where you see the sun on the horizon. Dawn, you, you know, I used to always have a problem with this, but the reason why I can see it clearly is because Yahweh showed me by the birds. The birds start singing while it's yet dark outside. Mm -hmm. See, in other words, they see the sun horizon or they know the sun. They may not in the spot that it that they're in see that but that time of day or that dawn period they start singing they say that why the birds sing at dawn and it's the loudest singing throughout the entire day the birds sing you see well we know why it's because yahweh is given the elements is given praise to the resurrection of yahshua the messiah yes see he had mm -hmm. to resurrect and that's what he did. There's so much power in the resurrection. He told them that he would, they were going to plant him and bury him, but he will resurrect. Just like Jonah did, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, he was going to resurrect. That was the phenomenal day. So we've got these charts here. Take a moment, look at it. You know, you can ask for them. You can pull it out. It is so significant what Yahweh has done because he had his own law, his own purpose, his own rule. He called the light day and darkness he called night. But that's only revealed to his son. It may sound silly to some people. Oh, what are you talking about? But you can't do nothing with that. He revealed it. And the world is scrambling around trying to put him back on the cross on Wednesday. You know, no, it's Good Friday, just like it says, you know, and that's what it was two days on that phenomenal day, Friday. So he resurrects early in the morning. You see, I just think it's a beautiful thing. I just think it's just a beautiful thing. Did you read that for me? Did you read John 20 and one? That's John That's 20 and, okay, go ahead. and one. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark early when it was yet dark read unto the sepulcher mm -hmm. and seeing the stone taken away from the sepulcher then she returneth and cometh to simon peter and to the other disciple whom yashua loved and saith unto them they have taken away the master out of the sepulcher and let me get another reference at luke 24 and 1 Right, that's Luke 24 and 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Mm -hmm. So very early in the morning, he did that. So it's just, uh, you know, it's just really something. And another point that I want to make about this to probably be a little understanding too. <clears throat> All this is going according to the feast days. Yahweh set those feast days up back under the law again that he gave the children of Israel. So we know on April the 14th, you know, this feast day was the feast of the Passover. That feast day was pointing to the death. And if you can get for me oh, um, the chart, um, the tabernacle, 
because it's going according to that tabernacle as well. And then I'll be done when I, I hope somebody got something out of that, if you can understand that about those three days and three nights. So over in, when you look down here at this tabernacle pattern, you see that there's an altar of sin sacrifice right there. So there's a most, there's a court roundabout, the first section of that. Then there's a door, you come into the holy place. Then there's a veil, you come into the most holy place. There's seven steps to this tabernacle. And this tabernacle is what Yahweh told the children of Israel, told Moses to construct. He saw it in a vision in Exodus, the 24th chapter. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and seven of the Israel. And they saw the Elohim. And then while Moses is up there, he shows them the construction of this tabernacle pattern. This tabernacle pattern was representative in showing forth Yahweh, you see, Yahweh in his simplicity, if you will, you see. So everything was going and operating according to this tabernacle pattern. So here you have April the 14th, back to the feast days. The Passover was April the 14th, the Passover represents the death. That was the sacrifice of a lamb. So that's representing that blood on the altar or that first uh, uh, court roundabout area. April the 15th was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you see, and that bread represents the labor or the water. It was typifying the barrier of Yahshua the Messiah. So he was crucified or Passover, the death, on the 14th. He was buried April the 15th, that's what that is showing forth, his burial being April the 15th. April the 16th is the feast of the first fruits. So that is typifying of his resurrection, you see, which going according to the tabernacle would be that oil. So we're seeing a principle of a death, a burial, and a, and a, a resurrection. Mm -hmm. That's what Yahshua Messiah preached for three and a half years, that that's what he had to do. He talked about that just as they says, uh, show us a sign. He says, no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. The Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Mm -hmm. And so likewise, the son of man is gonna be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, going according to the tabernacle, you see? Now we're right at that time again. I remember it was last year, it seemed like it was just a few, less than 12 months ago when we were talking about these feast days and whatnot. So now we're right here again. We, we, we see the principles as Yahweh is showing us. We're right here with these feast days once again. There were seven theses that Yahweh had to, that he put on the children of Israel. You know, I told you the first three, the 14, the feast of the Passover, the unleavened bread, and the first fruit. Then there's a Feast of Weeks or Pentecost is coming up. That's June 6th, you see, going according to the tabernacle pattern too. So now you have the June 6th coming up. Then you got the Feast of Trumpets. That's October the 1st, you know? And so yeah, what Yahweh's doing and what we see him doing, he's literally blowing the trumpet, the preaching of this gospel. You see, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that's what we hope for. We said that's the Feast of Pentecost. The, 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 the Pentecost is still going on. That's what the knowledge and understanding of Yahshua the Messiah. You know, the trumpets are being blown, people. You see, Yahweh's speaking or preaching this gospel. 
the feast, the sixth one is October the 10th, the uh, Feast of Atonement. That's when the high priest went into that most holy place that you see there. And Yahweh, and that Shekinah had to flash. The children of Israel waiting with the bated breath to see whether Yahweh has forgiven their sins for another year. And that's what we want. All of this is to eradicate and get rid of the sin that we have had been born with through by Adam. You see, the Messiah came in and suffered this death of an outcast dog. This is not just something that's just mean, easily or easily talked about, but it really don't mean nothing. It means everything. That's right. For us to see the operation of our savior and how he came in and saved us from immortal destruction, people. Let's not take that lightly because that's what he did. When I go through this understanding, the principle of his death, burial, resurrection, and the world is out there right now thinking, oh, what a blessed day. He is risen. You see that all over everywhere because it's so-called Easter, you know, which is a paganistic type of understanding. That's all it is. But we know the real deal. How blessed are we? He has risen, yes, but he's not, it's not a it's not just words to say. You want him risen in your heart and your mind. That's right. You want the blood of Yahshua in you. Mm. This negative spirit we got out here is, is on the money. He's here. He wants to steal your soul. Yes. That's what he's for. He's not going to let up. He's not going to let up. He says a Terminator. And we all remember that movie. We took the flesh off, but it kept coming. That's how it comes. It doesn't have to be in a body. You're us being in just in this world. It talks that the Holy Spirit's in and out of a physical body. So is the negative spirit. It be it causes us. It it uh, what's the word? Is that it influences? It's, that's all you talk here talk about influencers on the internet. That's a negative spirit, and we see it prevalent in this world. You see. But everything is going according to Yahweh's purpose and his plan. I want, I just hope somebody got something out of what was said. Everything that we talk about, there's no more types and shadows, people. There's no more um, things that you, you know, Yahshua, the understanding of Yahshua. And, and think about the types and shadows too. They disappear when you put on the light, right? So here's Yahshua the Messiah is the light. So you, if you casting a shadow on a wall as you walk, you see your shadow. But when the light comes up, you don't see, you know, when that sun is high zenith or that sun has moved, that shadow is gone. You see, we're, we're looking at Yahshua, the reality right now, being in our hearts and our minds, showing mm. us teaching us. He sacrificed for us. He went to the cross for us. He died a death of an outcast dog for us. He did all of that for us because he loved us. And he said, as he hung on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. Let me just say this. My time is out. There is absolutely nothing, nothing, no thing 
is the two words in that. No thing that we can do to worship our creator. Nothing physically. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the only way you can do that is that you must be taught how to do it. It is through by the preaching of the unadulterated gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It's a psychological and spiritual operation that occurs within your heart and mind that resurrect your sin-sick soul to a life everlasting. That's what this is for. It's translating the physical, carnal way of thinking to a spiritual understanding of Yahshua the Messiah. He is forever present with us. If you open your eyes and open your ears, you will see and you will hear. That's what Yahshua is telling me. Don't take nothing for granted. Look at it all. Listen when it is being told. Don't just hear words, but listen. And ask Yahweh to reveal those things that are necessary for us to have life and life eternal. There is a resurrection out of this. The time in this flesh is limited. We know that. We've seen so many times. We've seen it. I myself, we just, my family just lost my second brother in 11 months. I am so thankful. The song that we heard this morning for sure was the second brother, Dr. Leroy Brazil, who passed out of the flesh the month of March. And he was away from this and away from the family. But Yahweh, through his infinite mercy, brought him back. My brother, Dr. Eugene Brazil, the Dean of the Southfield Pride, passed last April. My greatest joy in my grief is that they knew, honored, and obeyed, and recognized Yahweh, because we all got to go that way. It doesn't matter. We all got to go. My brother, Dr. Eugene Brazil, said to me years ago, honey, you can't live forever. And I, every time I think of that, it makes me laugh because that's what we were talking about, Jeff. This was years ago. And he said, honey, you can't live forever. And that's true. We can't live forever in this physical body. But the promise is to live forever in the spirit, in Yahshua. Mm -hmm. I am the resurrection, he said, and the life. Though you, if you live, Though you die and you believe in me, you shall live again, is what the scripture says. But if you live and believe in me, you will never die. That's right. Now, I believe that. Mm -hmm. You won't die. The physical body is gone, but that knowledge and love and life in Yahshua is forevermore. People, keep in mind what our Savior did for us. Keep in mind, I hope someone got something out of this. And if you did, give all praises to Yahshua the Messiah. With these words, I thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for that discourse, um, Dr. Sharon Lewis. For our next speaker, I'd like to call on Dr. Rhonda Brazil. Dr. Brazil. Good afternoon, everyone. I am 
enjoyed the remarks of the previous speaker, laboriously going through those things that were revealed by this divine vision and revelation. If you have a problem hearing me, let me know. And I will um, try to make some adjustments. I, um, I wanted to pick up from where the previous speaker left off and uh, talking about the mystery that Yahweh has revealed to us by this divine vision and revelation. And these things that we preach in this school are the product of that divine vision and revelation directly from Yahweh Elohim. It was Yahweh Elohim himself that um, caused the writings of the scriptures that it was a divine vision and revelation given to the given to the patriarchs and prophets in the beginning of this um, purpose, and it is Yahweh Elohim who gave the vision at the end of the world to explain and to magnify and reveal the mystery of His will through the ages and dispensations. Um, the previous speaker left off with the thought in mind that there is something more than this physical creation. And uh, the purpose of this teaching is to transform your mind from seeing things only from a physical standpoint and being so aware and so conscious of this physical aspect of things that we are completely unaware and unconscious of the spirit, which is the reality. And that's um, a concept that is completely misunderstood in the world. The world today is celebrating Easter. And one of the most profound mysteries of Easter was gone over by the previous speaker, and that is how the Messiah rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, like it was prophesied that he would. And so the prophecy um, in, in the scriptures, it talked about how in um, Zechariah, I think it is 14 and nine, and in Amos, I believe it is the eighth chapter, it talked about this phenomenal day. And it talked about how in the Messiah, when he manifested in the physical, he said that to the scribes and Pharisees and the multitudes, when they uh, came to him asking for a sign, he said, no sign shall be given First of all, he said, an evil and adulterous generation should seek after a sign. And then he said, no sign shall be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Mm -hmm. as, as the prophet Jonah was three days and three nights in the fish's belly, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And nobody to this day, 2021, April 4th, 2021, 
could explain how the Messiah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth from Friday to Sunday. And you just received that explanation today. And that was because Yahweh Elohim himself came and explained that to us. He said in this vision, he explained what was right before us. And I want to get these scriptures. And they may have been called already, but we want to repeat them because we want to understand what we're reading. So often we have read the Bible and just read it for and taking it at face value, not understanding at all why the things are written in the Bible the way that they are. But Yahweh himself came to explain to us why it appears in the Bible the way that it does. But we didn't realize this at all. So can you get these scriptures, Matthew 3, and I want you to start at 11. And then I want you to get Matthew 5 and 17. And then get Luke 24 and 25 through 27. And then 44. And we read what it is <clears throat> that the Messiah said he was doing when he was in this earth plane. Like I said, this is Easter Sunday, and the, the Christian world or the religious world sometimes calls this Resurrection Sunday. Mm -hmm. This is supposed to mark the day that the Messiah resurrected from the dead. And one of the things that they are stooped in ignorance about is their proclamation that the Messiah raised a physical body. We understand by this divine vision and revelation that Yahshua did not and could not have raised a physical body. He raised a quickening spirit. And the scriptures do bear that out. But they don't understand in the first place why he had to die in the manner that he did. And the previous speaker did go through that and explain but his resurrection is also depicted back there in the scriptures about uh, how it would be that he would raise a quickening spirit mm -hmm. and no longer a physical body. But get uh, these scriptures, first of all, to find out what the Messiah was doing when he was here in the first place. Get uh, Matthew 3 first. That's Matthew 3 and 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, mm -hmm. but, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, this is John the Baptist who is declaring to the multitude of the Jews, actually the leaders of the Jews that were standing around watching him baptize people, wondering why he has any authority to do that. And he told them that were standing around, he, John the Baptist, was baptizing unto repentance. He was baptizing in water. And what we didn't understand and what is depicted in the verses earlier in this chapter, and you might as well grab this right quick just to show that the Messiah is fulfilling the scriptures like he's about to say. 
Go ahead and start at three and one. And while you're there at three and one, Dr. Nelson, if the other scripture reader could go back and get Jeremiah 31 and 31. Okay, that's Matthews three and one. And I will be interrupting you periodically. So um, okay. I apologize for that in advance. So we will have to sometimes go back and reread, but uh, go ahead and read three and one. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Okay, now stop there. <laughs> That's the first sentence. And right there in that first sentence, there's something to be understood. Now it said, in those days came John the Baptist mm -hmm. preaching in the wilderness. Now right there. What days are they talking about? Mm -hmm. Go back to Jeremiah 31 31 and That's see what these ones are. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 31 and 31. Mm -hmm. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh. Now you see what days? Mm -hmm. These are the days that Yahweh prophesied in the scriptures. Now those days, that's where John the Baptist is coming and preaching in fulfillment or in actualization of what it is that's prophesied in the scriptures. Can you continue to read in Jeremiah 31, 31? Behold, the days come, read on. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Okay, now there Yahweh is saying, and it said, saith Yahweh, right? It didn't say, saith Jeremiah, right? Correct. Right, it saith Yahweh. Mm -hmm. He said, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Now he's talking about the house of Israel and the house of Judah because they comprise the entire progeny of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. The 12 sons of Jacob are called the children of Israel. And it was with these children of Israel that Yahweh made the first covenant or the old covenant. He made that covenant with Israel. And he's about to say, Yahweh himself, right now in Jeremiah, where we're reading, he's about to say why he has to make a new one. Go ahead and read. 32nd verse, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the mm -hmm. day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That's who we're talking about. Thank you. The progeny of Jacob, the children of Israel who were in bondage unto Pharaoh in Egypt until Yahweh determined that the time had been fulfilled for him to bring about the reality of the Abrahamic promise that he made, saying to Abraham, this is back in Genesis, the 15th, 17th chapters, the 22nd chapter, he told Abraham that he would give his seed he would bless his seed as the stars of heaven and the sands of the sea. And he would give his seed this land that Abraham was told to survey, walk the length and breadth of it. And he would give to Abraham's seed this land, Canaan land. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Yahweh is making the preparations for that to happen and did that when those children of Israel, as he told Abraham, he said, but first they had to go down to the land they knew not of and be evil and treated. That's what occurred to the progeny of Abraham, the sons of Jacob. You understand? And, and those uh, sons of Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel. They were uh, they went down into Egypt when there was a great famine in Canaan land where they were. They started in Canaan land. Abraham was in Canaan land when Yahweh made his promise, but told them they had to go down. They had to go to a land they knew not of. They had to leave that land, but that Yahweh would bring them back up with the mighty hand. Right. So this is a very important point about the resurrection. It will go down one way, right? But it will come up another. It will go down in one particular state, but it must come up another state. It cannot come up the same state and condition that it went down. And Yahweh typified this with the children of Israel when he called them out of that land of Canaan. It, they went down into Egypt. And this is all in the story of Joseph that is depicted in Genesis, the 39th, 40th. Actually, it's earlier than that, in the 37th verse chapters, I think. The story of Joseph, where he had to have him sold down into Egypt by his brethren because Yahweh's making the preparation for the things that he said to Abraham to come to pass and bring it to fruition. Right. And so he put them or caused them to have to go down into Egypt. And those that went down into Egypt were 70 souls. That's what went down. And they went down shepherds and they were given the land of Goshen. You see? But when Yahweh allowed for the progeny to be captive, be made captive down there in Egypt, he said they would have to be down there evil and treated. Then he would bring them back up, right? Yeah. That's what he said he would do. So when they came out, they came out much different than they went down. They went down there, shepherds in the land of Goshen, they came back up out. They were the freed slaves. And that that was 70 souls became over a million people. All of them, one big family. They were all related. The 12 sons of Jacob and their children and their children's children they were all cousins and aunts and uncles to one another. Mm -hmm. One family. And in fact, Yahweh said that Moses would tell Pharaoh, let my son, singular, Israel go. Because that one body, that one son, Israel, which was comprised of all those members were one family, right? Called by one name. Mm -hmm. 
Now, this was all prefigured back there with the children of Israel in Egypt, like the previous speaker went through. And when they came up, I want you to see this, hold where you are in Jeremiah 31, 31, and over there in um, Matthew, we'll, we're, we're coming back to that. I want you to see when they came up out of that land of Egypt, as the previous speaker has already gone through, they had to take out that lamb, put the blood of that lamb on the doorpost, the upper doorpost, the two side posts and the basin, making that four points of blood configuration like the cross, like the Messiah on the cross. And when they took out that lamb, they held it over four days from the 10th to the 14th. And here we are right now during the same time period in the month of April. Yahweh said Abib or April would be the first month of the year to you. And they had to take out that lamb on a certain date in the month of April. So this is what we're saying. This is what we're, where Yahweh is showing that it will repeat or this history. Now, I want to uh, talk about how they came up out of Egypt with that lamb and they came to that water of the Red Sea and that miraculous waters of the Red Sea parted. Now the previous speaker left off talking about a phenomenal day, okay? Where it was light and I want you to go ahead and read that then. Read Zechariah 14 and 9. I think it is Zechariah 14 and 9. And then uh, Amos, I think it's 8 and 2. Let me see if I can pull it 8 up. 8 and 9. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, that's Zechariah 14 and 9. Says, and Yahweh shall be king. Okay. Over all the earth. Yeah. And that, not that, right? No. Okay. Go ahead and read that though. And Yahweh shall be king over all the earth. Mm -hmm. In that day shall there be one Yahweh and his name one. Mm hmm. Um, I think you wanted, uh, let's see. Now, what day is he talking about? You wanted uh, the sixth verse, uh -huh. um, I think. No, you yeah. wanted the ninth verse, eight and okay. nine. No, you can start at six. Go ahead. That's oh, right. Zechariah 14, 14 and fact, six. Yeah, in fact, read from six to nine. There you go. There you go. Zechariah 14 and six all the way down to nine. Okay. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to Yahweh, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening, that at evening time it shall be light. Right. Go ahead. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem. Right. Half of, half of them toward the former sea, and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. Mm -hmm. And Yahweh shall be king over all the earth. 
in that day shall there be one Yahweh and his name one. Yep. Now, isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's talking about this day, this one day. And when we were reading in Jeremiah, it talks about behold, the days come. We got that in Matthew, the third chapter. In those days came. See, there's a particular time that Yahweh's working with. Mm -hmm. He's working with a particular time period that some certain things have to be accomplished. And I'm not going to read it. It's staying in the ninth chapter where he said, 9 and 24, certain things had to transpire in 70 weeks. Mm -hmm. Yahweh's dealing with specific time periods. So going back to the children of Israel, I want you to look at this chart. And if you could, this is to bring up this little tidbit. If you could zoom in on that portion of the chart that shows the pyramid, that number on the pyramid, and the Red Sea right there, and zoom in on that a little bit. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's perfect. So I want to capture these events right here. And you can come out just a little bit because I want to capture that event of John the Baptist right there with the Messiah, AD 30. And it says back there, there you go, right there. Wonderful. So now as you see this, how they have taken out that lamb and they put the blood on that lamb. And it says Israelites and Pharaoh in Egypt. And it depicts those children of Israel coming out of Egypt. You see Moses holding his rod there. You see that in the middle there? Mm -hmm. And it has a cloud there and it says cloud and it has the waters of the Red Sea heaped up. You see, like in the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And you see that circle where Moses is holding that rod. You see how the circle is light at the top? Mm -hmm and dark at the bottom. So the previous speaker talked to you about a phenomenal day with the, with the Messiah, but what's going on with the Messiah is in fulfillment of the scriptures. So the phenomenal day with the Messiah is not the only phenomenal day that there was. There was a phenomenal day before that in the track of the children of Israel up out of Egypt, which occurred between April 14th. Now remember, they had to take out that lamb on April the 10th and hold it over to the 14th. So they crucified it on the 14th. And there was a phenomenal day with them. How so? I want you to go back to um, Exodus. And when one reader goes back to Exodus, the um, 12th chapter, oh, I'm sorry, it's going to be the 14th chapter. Hold on one second, I'll tell you exactly. The other scripture reader, read Amos, the 8 and the 9 that we had already, holding. And I know we're still holding Jeremiah 31, 31 and Matthew 3 and 11. I'll let you know in Exodus 14 chapter where I want you to start. You can go ahead and read Amos. Amos first? Yep. Amos 8 and I'm sorry, 9 did you say? Yes. Yeah. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith Yahweh Elohim, 
that I will cause the sun to go down at noon and I will darken the earth in the clear day. Mm -hmm. Now he darkened the earth, he said, in the clear day. And the previous speaker was telling you and showing you how that transpired with the Messiah. But that transpired with the Messiah because it was the fulfillment of the scriptures. It happened that way before when he darkened the earth in the clear day. So I want you to go back to Exodus, the 14th chapter. And I want you to, to um, read a particular passage um, where, um, let me see, let's start. Okay, Exodus 14 and 15, we'll start there and read down. And we want to see something about something phenomenal, which that circle represents on this chart. Something that phenomenal that happened with the children of Israel. Okay, go ahead. There is no 14 and 15, correct? There's 14 and 15. Oh, 15. I'm sorry. Thank you. Okay, that's Exodus 14 and 15. Uh-huh. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Now, contextually, they're crying because they see Pharaoh pursuing after them and they're against the Red Sea. And they're like, where are we going? Didn't we tell you to leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? Why'd you bring us out here to die? Because there were no graves in Egypt. They're just crying. That's what babies do. They just cry. And Yahweh is saying to Moses, why are you crying to me? Keep reading. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward, but lift up, lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the mm-hmm. midst of the sea. Mm-hmm. And I, behold, I will hearten the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of Yahweh, which went before the camp of Israel, Mm -hmm. moved and went behind them. Right. The pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Now, they were following this cloud. That's why you have cloud on that chart there. And that cloud went from before them or where they were following it, and it went behind them and stood behind them. Okay, read on. 20th verse. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Right. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. Now to them who? The Egyptians. It was a cloud and darkness. And that's why that portion of that circle that's facing Egypt is dark. Because it was a cloud and darkness to the Egyptians. But what happened? But it gave light by night to these. Now, so at evening time, it was light. Back there with the children of Israel. Remember, the previous speaker went to to show you the key over there in Genesis. It says where the light is, that's day. 
And where the darkness is, that's night. Mm -hmm. So what Yahweh effectuated back there with the children of Israel, a phenomenal day. At evening time, it was light. And so they were in the day, walking through that, um, that divided waters of the Red Sea. And the Egyptians, they were enshrouded in night. Now keep reading just the next one, the next verse, so you'll see. Well, actually, it might be two verses. So that one came not near the other all night. It was nighttime when they were doing this. And he caused a strong wind to dry the waters, and it was a wall on one side and the other. And I want you to drop down to the 24th verse. Read that right quick. <laughs> and it came to pass that in the morning, excuse me, and it came to pass that in the morning watch, right, looked into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. Now they remember that cloud was darkness to them. So they didn't even know they were in the midst of the sea until mm -hmm. Yahweh lifted that darkness and it was morning. Like that phenomenal day with the Messiah, where it was dark from the 12th, or I'm sorry, from the 6th to the ninth hour. When that darkness lifted, they were in the daylight again at 3 p.m. Right. So here those children of Israel come through. It was, it was light the whole time to them. They were children of the day. But to the Egyptians, they were shrouded in darkness until... That darkness was lifted, and they saw that they were in the midst of the sea in the morning. It does something. Mm -hmm. There's that phenomenal day with the children yes. of Israel. And so there had to be a phenomenal day with Yahshua the Messiah. And then you had the scriptures. We just read them. Zechariah 14 and 6 said these things had to happen. But that's how it happened in the law. See, Moses is the accredited writer of these events in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are the books of Moses, the Pentateuch. So that's the law. And then Zechariah and Amos are the prophets. And Yahshua is coming in to fulfill. Now I want you to go back to Jeremiah 31, 31, and then um, go over to Matthew and finish that up and then get the next scripture in Matthew 5, 17. And then the last scripture, Luke 24, 44. Get uh, Jeremiah 31, 31 first and finish that up. That's Jeremiah 31 and 31. Mm-hmm. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, mm -hmm. that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and yeah. with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, said Yahweh. Now, they didn't keep the first covenant that Yahweh gave them. Yahweh's testifying here that they broke it. Now, it wouldn't make any horse sense for Yahweh to make a new covenant that was exactly like the old one that they couldn't even keep. That doesn't make sense. So he says he's going to make a new one. And go ahead and read, Dr. No. Mm -hmm. 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith Yahweh, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their Elohim and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know ye Yahweh, 
For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith Yahweh. That's what, okay, go ahead. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now, one of the things that the world does not understand about that old covenant is that it brought sin to consciousness constantly. Right. That's what the old covenant was about. That's why it's called the law of sin and death. Mm-hmm. That covenant given by the hands of Moses, that sanctuary was necessary because for a, a daily ministration for the sacrifice for sin, that altar of sin sacrifice is depicted at the top here or the middle top of this chart, that high priest standing next to it. That altar of sin sacrifice burned for 1,500 years. It never went out. The coals were to be kept hot, never to go out. On a daily basis, they brought sacrifice for sin. They were sinning every day. And they never could keep it. That's why he said they break the covenant. They had to bring sacrifice for sin because they broke the covenant. And that did nothing to stop or change what was happening to cause them to sin. So that had to be done away with. So the new covenant was not going to be operated that way with a physical sanctuary and written on tables of stone. But he said he was going to write it in their inward parts and in their hearts. And he will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. So there was coming a sin atonement that was going to be permanent. And that's what was prophesied in Daniel, the ninth chapter. After the 70 weeks, there would be an end of sin. Finish the transgression. Make atonement for iniquity. You see, and that's what Jeremiah confers as well. So go over and here we see in those days, here comes John the Baptist. Read that. That's Matthews 3 and 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of Yahweh, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. You can go on down to the um, 13th verse. 13? And then the next scripture reader, get John 5, and, I'm sorry, Matthew 5 and 17. And then we'll finish up with Luke 24 and 44. 13. But I will also want you to get Mark 16 and 12. But finish there at 13. Um, of Matthew. Matthew 313, yep. Then cometh Yahshua from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Yahshua answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So they're going to fulfill. That's what Yahshua Messiah said. Now fulfill means to bring to an end or to bring into actuality as in a prophecy. Go to Matthew 5, 17. That's Matthew 5 and 17. 
Think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. Mm -hmm. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Right. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now he said it twice to them, and that's the multitudes. This is contained in what's called the Beatitudes. He's talking to the multitudes on the mount. He was talking to John the Baptist privately right there in the River Jordan, but now he told the whole multitude he'd come to fulfill. Now go over and read uh, Luke 24 and 25 and 27, then 44. That's Luke 24 and 25. Mm -hmm. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now we're going to stop a little bit here because this is two that are walking on the road to Emmaus and are sad because of the things that have transpired that they crucified the Messiah, which as the previous speaker said was in fulfillment of scriptures. As he said, he came to fulfill. He's fulfilling what's written of him to do in the scriptures. So when he was crucified, he went down a physical body that had taken on the sin of the world. Now you and I know very well, my mother is an arborist to her heart and she will take a plant and she, like she has right now, she didn't cut the top of a pineapple off so she could put it in some water to root it, to make a plant again. Mm -hmm. Or she'll take a seed out of an avocado and she'll put it in there and make a plant again. And my mother is not expecting for a great big avocado seed to come up. Right. Jesus expecting newness of life yeah. a changed form so here this we're reading in luke 24 and 44 and 27 i'm sorry 25 and 27 are two walking on the road to emmaus they're talking after the messiah's death their resurrection and they're saying to him that this messiah that we hoped was the, the real one he said he would raise after three days and here it is the third day and we ain't seen him now, why is it that hey, they haven't seen him? Because they knew him in that physical body before. And when it, if you read a couple of verses before this, we're not going to right now because of time. But if you read, it says he joined to them and their eyes were beholden that they did not recognize him. Well, why not? Go to Mark 16 and 12. Let's see right quick. Why not? Yes. Mark 16 and 12. After that, he appeared in another form. He was in another form. You see that? That's right there in your scriptures. He came in another form. What form is that? As we talked about, there was Yahweh in pure spirit form. He's in super incorporeal form and he's in physical form. He took that physical form to the grave and consumed it completely. Now, how do we know that? Because it's in fulfillment of the scriptures. What they did in Egypt with that lamb is that they had to consume it completely. None of it can remain to the morning. So he didn't bring back up that same old physical body it had to be consumed. But now what had to happen is just what he said back there in Jeremiah 31, 31. He has to write the law in their inward parts. So he can't come up a physical body. He has to come up a quickening spirit. And that's in 1 Corinthians 15th chapter, around 54th verse. That is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And that's the other form that he came up in, that he may pour out the Holy Spirit in their hearts and minds and fulfill Jeremiah 31 and 31. 
Now, I know I may have some other scriptures out there, but I'm going to leave them and leave some time if anyone has any questions. Yeah. I appreciate the time. I do want to make this note right quick. I found in my mom's possession, we're sitting here on this Easter Sunday, April 4th, looking through old files and we found my dad's old songs. We also found a pristine copy, which is absolutely remarkable, a pristine copy of the Jet magazine that was published after Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination. And it says this, and I just want to read this small part on page 29 of this little booklet. Dr. King, like Christ, Lincoln, killed in Eastern time. Among the strange coincidences of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s death is the fact that, like the Savior Jesus Christ and Abraham Lincoln, he was killed in Easter time. King was assassinated as he stood on the balcony of the Lorraine Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee, April 4 just 10 days before Easter. Christ was crucified on Calvary, according to biblical sources, on Good Friday, celebrated this year by the Christian world on April 12th. Three days later, on April 14th, Christ was resurrected. Just as the previous speaker talked about, you can't get three days between the 12th and the 14th, but that's now a, a mystery reveal. Lincoln was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth as he sat on his private balcony box in Washington, D.C. for theater. The date, April 14th. While Dr. King and Christ were young, 39 and 33 respectively, at death, Lincoln was 59 years old. Now that's very interesting. They put that in that book back in 1968, yes. showing that there's always a reflection in the earth plane around this time of the death of the Messiah mm. and that fulfillment of the Passover. Mm. I hope you got something out of it and stay tuned because we have much more to tell you. That's right. In Yashua Messiah, if you did, all praises to Yashua. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this brings an end to this afternoon's class. We would like to thank the speakers, our visiting brethren, and all participants for joining us this afternoon. We hope that everyone has been edified and ask that you come back and study with us again. We hold classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and on Sundays from 1.30 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Let us all, we will have the doxology right now, um, taken from the last two verses of the book of, of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.